not about what the outside world thinks. It's about what does you know what do you have in that room, and the best man wins, and you give everybody a shot at it. The outside world doesn't see the summer workout on a Monday morning. They don't see that progress, but, but we as coaches do. Welcome to the latest edition of the Outside World, the Oklahoma podcast right here on The Athletic. You're listening to the free edition. Remember, there's a subscriber-only episode as well that drops every Thursday. But first, let's get to Jason Kersey. He's in Oklahoma City after yesterday's Sooners beatdown of Texas Tech in Norman. Jason, what's up, man? How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm good. Ready to talk about this. Uh, another OU blowout. Another, um, you know, another ridiculous Jalen Hurts performance. I mean, the sort of performance that I used to have with like my quarterbacks on NCAA 2013. You know, who was your favorite quarterback to use? Uh, so I, my favorite thing to do was run the zone read on there. And so I would, uh, I, I loved, um, playing with Navy with Keenan Reynolds. Oh, nice. Yeah. I loved it. He was, he was so much fun on that game. I, I led Navy to a couple national titles, by the way. So. Well done, man. Are you going to go into the college football hall of fame for that? Or uh, I well, the college I, football hall of fame? I mean, I should, you know what, what dates me, Jason is I'm thinking about, you know, who my favorite player was in NCAA football and EA sports. And I loved, and I'll tell you what, I played with Seneca Wallace at Iowa State. He was an absolute machine. I was never playing a video game as a, as a football team unless I had a dual threat. You mentioned Keenan Reynolds. Seneca Wallace was an absolute beast. And by the way, he was drafted in 2003. So, yes, I'm dating myself quite a bit. Well, I'll do you one better than that, though. Uh, do you, you know how on those games uh, th- there was always like one money play that worked no matter what, and there was nothing you could do to stop it? Um, there was a play like that in one of the really early NCAA games, and if you ran just goal line QB sneak with Eric Crouch, <laughs> you could like score every time. He, for some <laughs> reason, he could just zoom up the middle, and he would score every time. And he used to just frustrate the hell out of my brother when I would play against him, and I was Eric Crouch. QB sneak is undefeated. That's what they say. And by the way, I'm a huge fan of of a QB sneak on fourth and one. I'm a huge fan of the QB sneak at the goal line. So that speaks to me. Um, you know, yesterday I'm watching some football on a college football Saturday, and I see a team line up on the one-yard line in the shotgun formation, and I nearly had an aneurysm, Jason. <laughs> yeah, that, that really kind of triggers me too, I, I, will, I will admit. But, but no, with that play, though, with Eric Crouch, you could do it on first and 10 from, your, from back to, up to your own 15, and he would score on it. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it sounds like that's what uh, Lincoln Riley has drawn up in his playbook these days. Just hand the ball to Jalen Hurts, and he'll score on every single play. I mean, this is somewhat becoming a broken record where we just sit here and talk about how great Jalen Hurts is. So I just want to take like a different angle at his performance and just talk about specifically – his passing. Okay, we know he can run the football. We know he's a great athlete. We know he's putting up a bunch of stats. And if you look at uh, the opponents, you know, there might be a little asterisk there. You got South Dakota. You've got some really bad football teams. But he looks like a different player in the pocket. I mean, I, I don't want to emphasize that you know, over the top, but, but Jason, you've got to be seeing this too with your own eyes. 
Oh yeah, I mean absolutely. I mean we're we're talking about um, a guy who now looks comfortable in the pocket. He doesn't seem to take the first escape hatch that he sees. He um, his his throws are just on the money. The some of the back shoulder stuff. I mean, it's just he he looks he definitely looks like a different quarterback. And and it makes you wonder like he's obviously got the skills to be able to throw the ball like that. And there, but you know, there's a reason I'm sure that Nick Saban didn't trust him to do that much, especially that second year that he was a starter when, you know, it seemed like he barely threw the ball at all and then eventually got replaced. Um, but man, with a, with a right quarterback coach, and obviously he has that in Lincoln Riley, um, he's, he, he looks unbelievable. I mean, but we have to say, you know, he, he showed a little flaw yesterday. He threw an interception, which, uh, his first one of the year in the fourth game. It's unacceptable. You know, when he threw that pick, I was looking at the bench and I saw Spencer Rattler, I saw Tanner Mordecai, and I was just like, one of these guys is going to have to come in and get the job done because J- clearly Jalen Hurts isn't uh, the guy that, that we all thought he was. Well, and he probably, uh, you know, thinks that everything that we've said up to the point where I said that about the interception is rat poison. So, I, you know, I'm sorry if you listen. I'm sure you're a loyal listener, Jalen, to the outside world. But um, <laughs> if... If you are, I'm sorry for all the rat poison. So I read your column on The Athletic. By the way, um, if you're listening to the show and, and you haven't seen it yet, you, you can go to theathletic.com and search Jason Kersey, or, or you can go to theathletic.com, click on the college football tab, select Oklahoma, and you'll see all the latest news and stories there. Uh, your headline postgame was, quote, we're not here to be played with. End quote. Oklahoma's defense makes a statement in Big 12 opener versus Texas Tech. Uh, can you dive into that? Well, yeah. Here, here's the, my takeaway is that I'm going to preface it by saying what I know everyone's going to say in response to this. Yes, Texas Tech did not have Alan Bowman, their starting quarterback. Yes, uh, Texas Tech does not look like the best team. Yes, Oklahoma so far has played, uh, you know, not a great schedule when you, when you consider everything. Thought maybe UCLA had turned it around, but after last night, it's pretty apparent that they have not turned it around uh, totally. But Oklahoma's defense is different. It's different and it's better, and there's no question about it. Now, we'll see how that plays out down the road. Are they going to end up being a top 30 defense in the country? Probably not, but... They're different because of their attitude. This is a, I mean, uh, on Saturday we saw Texas Tech run a fake punt and then immediately follow that up with a 58-yard run to the to the OU two-yard line. In the past, that would have been a touchdown. The 58-yard run would have been a touchdown, but if it wasn't, they would have probably scored on the next play. But on the 58-yard run, you had DeLaren Turner yell, just turn on the Jets and sprint and do everything he could to stop him at the two. And then, oh, you held him to a field goal. That does not happen last year. I promise you that does not happen last year. I think the uh, the stat was they they gave up touchdowns in like 85% of opponent's red zone trips last year. So that's a touchdown uh, last year. There was uh, you know a, a moment where I saw more fire and anger from that OU uh, defense than I've ever seen before in the uh, in the second half when Kennedy Brooks uh, was 
it was a cheap shot. Um, now the the player ended up apologizing on Twitter and saying he didn't mean for it to be a cheap shot, but it certainly looked like one at the time. Uh, Texas Tech defender dives at Kennedy Brooks' knees. Um, it it really is a miracle if Kennedy Brooks uh, and Lincoln Riley says he's okay. If Kennedy Brooks didn't tear his ACL, because it, I mean it was it was just a very ugly ugly play, and uh, the OU defense got so fired up. They got two 15-yard penalties back-to-back. You had taunting on Parnell Motley. You had face mask on Buki Radley-Hiles, which, uh, you know, you don't want to see that. But at the same time, I mean, you could just see they were so mad and fired up. And then Texas Tech gets inside the, the 25, and OU holds them to a field goal again. And those, again, are the kinds of things that would have caused them to melt down last year. And so Alex Grinch is having an impact on this defense. He just is. And, uh, you know, and, and the other thing I would say is it wouldn't have mattered who the quarterback was last year. Jet Duffy, who played yesterday for Texas Tech, torched OU last year in the second half. Um, you know, Kansas scored 40 points on them last year. This is a different OU defense. It's I, and I think it's unequivocal. They are better than they were last year. And what that leads me to believe is, is that this year OU may not have a scary offense. They may have a scary team. Well, the good news is this podcast, Jason, is called The Outside World, and Lincoln Riley was asked yesterday um, whether this season's defense has something that last season's didn't. He said, um, very on brand, by the way, quote, I don't want to compare it. We're four games in. Last year was a long time ago, but I love the mentality we're starting to develop there. But we've got to do it every week. It's never just there. If that's who we are, we've got to be that all the time. If we're not next week against Kansas, we're a bunch of phonies. And quote. So Lincoln doesn't want to compare it, uh, but that's too bad. We can. Uh, and you're saying that by far uh, the eye test that you're seeing in the press box every single week, that's telling you all you need to know? Yes, they're better. They're better. They play harder. They play faster. Um, they play more confident. Uh, they play smarter. You're not seeing them getting burned all the time over the top. This is a better defense, and it's not. And I don't even think it's close. I mean, they held Texas Tech to one of fourteen on third down yesterday, and last year uh, they were the worst team in the Big Twelve on third down defense. They held Texas Tech to 122 passing yards last year. They were the worst team in the Big Twelve in pass defense. This is a better, better defense. But I, there were some good quotes yesterday between your, uh, the one you read that, that Lincoln Riley said. Uh, one that didn't make it in my uh, column was Alex Grinch saying that if we don't play with effort all the time, then I'm a con man and they're a bunch of frauds. So we've got some good <laughs> quotes uh, out there. I, now that I'm sitting here saying it, I should have put that in the column. That was a mistake. <laughs> Yeah, come on, man. You could have you could have put phony con man and fraud in the same in the same story about an Oklahoma Sooners football game. You don't get that opportunity every day. I I messed up. I messed up. <laughs> but okay. but hey, no, seriously, I, I've got to ask you. I've got to ask you about one more thing um, in regards to the defense, and it's a really really simple question. Now you can you can think about improvement. You can think about uh, hiring a new defensive coordinator and changing the culture, but. And we'll get into this a lot more next week. But how many points does Texas put up on this defense? That's what I want to know. If you had to sit here today, and I know I'm putting you on the spot, and I'm not going to hold it to you, but what, what is the number that Texas puts up on this defense? Um, I mean, I think Texas could score 28, 24-28 on this defense. I mean, and that would be a lot better than last year. But um, And I don't think that would even be bad because I think Texas has a pretty good offense. So – 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think Sam Ellinger is a good quarterback. I, I would I would say twenty four, twenty eight uh, in that range. But the the and with OU winning because the the thing is is that OU's offense just had to score fifty points every game last year, or they might not win. And that's not the case this year. If they score, if they hold a team to under thirty. OU's going to win most games. Um, they should win every game. I I do want to hit the caution button a little bit in in regards to. You know, the, the defensive performance yesterday. You know, I, I think if you hold Texas to under 30 points, you're doing a heck of a job. And, yes, we're overlooking Kansas. And I know Lincoln Riley this week will tell us not to do that, but we're going to do that here on the outside world. Um, Kansas got absolutely boat raced this weekend. It was pathetic. That team and is exactly who they, who we thought they were in, in that game. And, and Chestnut Hill against Boston College was a mirage in my mind. But Texas Tech, Jason, they didn't have their starting quarterback. Uh, he got hurt against Arizona. He's not playing in this football game. And I think that makes a big difference. So you have to take it with a grain of salt when you think about this defense getting off the field on third down. You're going up against Texas Tech's backup at home. Yeah, that's true. But I, I, as someone who's covered this program for as long as I have, I have to say that I know that Texas Tech's backup quarterback would have thrown for 350 or 400 yards against this defense last year and probably the year before. So, um, I, yeah, I, I, and, and, and again, I think it even goes beyond the stats, though. It's just the little things that you see out there. The, the DeLaren Turner yell chasing down uh, the, 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 the Texas Tech running back to catch him and bring him down at the two-yard line and then OU stopping them. Um, in the second, in, in the in the fourth quarter, the game well out of hand. You saw Neville Gallimore, the nose guard, who has disappointed a lot of people because he was so highly recruited and so uh, such a high highly ranked prospect. Um, but he's having a great season, and and in the fourth quarter, game is well out of hand. He chases uh, down Jet Duffy. Uh, Jet Duffy sort of evades him. Gallimore gets blocked. Gallimore gets off the block, sprints another seven or eight yards down the field and forces a fumble and catches up with him and forces a fumble. That kind of effort stuff just didn't happen last year. If you want to read Jason's postgame column, you can do so at The Athletic. If you're not a subscriber, make sure um, that you subscribe now for about a latte a month. You get a special uh, price at 40% off if you go to theathletic.com slash the outside world that's the athletic.com slash the outside world it'll take you right to a page where you can get a subscription for 40 percent off you can read all of jason's content throughout the week which by the way is the best oklahoma sooners coverage there is in the world and it's not an exaggeration and you get this free episode as well as our subscriber only episode on thursdays uh back over to the offensive side of the football uh, a breakout game for for cd lamb i feel like we've talked about him uh, on a weekly basis, and we said we'd like to see more. We'd like to see more. We'd like to see more. And we finally saw it yesterday. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things that I, I wrote about a couple of times is that I felt like you've got to get C.D. Lamb more involved. And I know that it's nitpicky when OU is putting up the numbers they're putting up and, and playing as efficiently as they are. But, man, C.D. Lamb is an all-world talent, and you have to get him more involved. And, man... Um, when he's involved, you saw what happened yesterday. Some of those plays, three touchdowns, 185, I believe, yards receiving. Uh, that, that's the kind of stuff C.D. Lamb can do when he is uh, when he's on the ball, when he is getting uh, getting looks. And I, I just think that yeah, Charleston Rambo had another nice game yesterday. A couple of amazing catches. 
um, Grant Calcaterra, Lee Morris, uh, Jaden Hazelwood, all of these guys that are, that can make plays. But C.D. Lamb is on another level, and he's got to get the ball more. And it was nice to see him get more involved yesterday. Absolutely. Yeah, it certainly was, and and it seems like every single game, Jason, for this Oklahoma squad is a showcase game. Let's pick a player. It's starting to remind me of what it's like watching the University of Alabama. Because right now, if you if you watch Bama and you see what type of weapons they have on the outside, it's, it's an embarrassment of riches. And Nick Saban has completely changed his philosophy on the offensive side of the football to where Tua Tungabailoa is going to sit back in the pocket and distribute it to all his playmakers. It's not just going to be six yards in a cloud of dust with Derrick Henry anymore. And you're starting to see that with Oklahoma as well. I think these programs are a mirror of one another. And it's not just about the Jalen Hurts commonality. It's not about that at all. Um, we saw them on the field in Miami in the Orange Bowl. And while the first quarter was lopsided, the rest of the game wasn't. And ever, ever since that moment, you, you've, you, these teams have been equal in my mind. They are, they are a reflection of one another. If you watched Alabama yesterday uh, at home against Ole Miss, the offense looked exactly like Oklahoma's offense did at home against Texas Tech. Are you seeing that at all when you think about about OU's opponent last year in the Orange Bowl and, and a possible rematch this year in the playoff? Man, it's it's so hard to, to, to say. I mean, I, I, I would agree with a lot of what you said. I also think that if Alabama had wanted to keep the – keep their foot on the gas in the second half. I, I don't, I don't know that that game would have ended up being as, as close as it was. I mean, I'm, I, you know, yes. OU's offense kind of found its footing after that disastrous first quarter, but I, I still think Alabama was clearly the better team in that game, the entire game. And I, and I still think that's the standard OU is trying to reach, but you're right that yes, uh, you know, obviously Nick Saban finally kind of had to acquiesce to the to the new realities of offensive football when he brings in uh, Tuatago Bailoa. But um, but yeah, I mean, if they pl- if they were to play again though this year, I I think it, it's kind of a a coin flip at this point, and that and that's not uh, t- to disrespect Alabama. You know, I don't want to upset any Alabama fans who might be listening to this podcast because oh come on, upset the Bama fans. It's always fun. Uh, but you know, I like the Bama fans. They, 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 I like Bama fans. I think I love their passion. Um, I love Phyllis from Mulga. I really don't want to upset Phyllis. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I think it's kind of a coin flip at this point. I mean, Jalen Hurts is playing unbelievable. I think the offense is operating at a crazy efficient level, and the defense is not as bad as it was last year. And you know, again, that that's the thing that people have to remember: the defense doesn't have to be good. Even they just have to be okay and they're gonna win a lot of games and maybe even a national title um but i mean you know r- right now i i think that uh you know i what, what i wonder honestly about alabama fans is you know before the season i wrote the story about jalen hurts and how they all still love him i'm starting to wonder is that going to be the case if he wins the heisman trophy uh instead of tua is that going to be the case if they beat alabama in the college football playoff i don't i don't know that's another we, – we've talked about this on the show a lot, and um, I'd like to – you know, we, we need to develop a segment, a, a life comes at you fast type segment where um, this fits the bill, Jason. If you are a Bama fan, you love Jalen Hurts, but all of a sudden you see him sitting uh, there next to Tua Tungvalu at the Heisman Trophy ceremony, 
it's those two guys and he gets the trophy and then all of a sudden you're playing in the playoff or the national championship game. Jalen Hurts throws for 300 yards. He rushes for another 100 and Oklahoma beats the tide. Talk about a life comes at you fast moment. Bama fans, man, I, I, I don't know. I'd have a stroke at that point. I wouldn't know what to think after that football game. That would be um, quite the reality check. I mean, it would be, you know, kind of like uh, when – so I grew up a big Packers fan, and I love Brett Favre. I loved him when I was a kid. Um, and when he, you know, did all of his stuff and ended up on the Vikings and the – you know, and I loved Aaron Rodgers too, but when that first year that they played against each other, Packers-Vikings, and the Vikings just crushed the Packers twice, that probably is about what that would feel like. <laughs> Yeah, Brett Favre. I mean, what a great career uh, and an unceremonious ending to his career, unfortunately. But, man, is he your favorite NFL quarterback of all time? He would have to be just because uh, he you know, meant so much to me when I was a kid. I think a lot back on you know, my favorite athletes, my favorite all these things. It's always the guys who kind of brought me the most joy when I was a kid. And Brett Favre in football, and this is going to be kind of a random one, but Tino Martinez in baseball. I loved Tino Martinez. Like, those are the things that, like, still kind of make me, like, you know, bring back that that real, like, raw fandom to me when I think about those players. Man, there's nothing like 90s baseball. Everybody's juiced up. The, the, the balls are just flying out of the park. It's not like today when the, the, the baseballs are juiced. Um, the players were juiced back then. But it was fun, man. It was like professional wrestling. I'll never forget that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you know what? It's, uh, there's an OU connection to what you just said because guess who was in attendance on the sideline yesterday in Norman? Big Mac himself, Mark McGuire. Apparently was his really? son was on a recruiting visit. I didn't know that until this morning. I saw it on a local TV report. Yeah, Mark McGuire was there. I wish I'd known that. The summer of 1998 was the greatest summer of my life. Maguire Sosa, who was going to, you know, get, who was going to end up winning that home run battle. I mean, I was very bummed when I found out that uh, it was all the result of steroids. But at the same time, I've kind of come now to a place where I can still appreciate that. I, I watched every Cubs and Cardinals game and I wasn't even a Cubs or Cardinals fan. It was a great time for baseball. I won't forget that summer either. And when I think about the Hall of Fame debate, and this is getting way off track, and it has nothing to do with Oklahoma Sooners, Sooners football, but um, when I think about the Hall of Fame and, and those guys, I believe they, they should be in. I do. I, I don't, if you want to um, create a wing for them or put an asterisk, I don't care. These are some of the greatest players in baseball history, and they need to be in the Hall. I'm I'm back and forth on it. I mean, I I I come from a place where, like I said, I I love that was the all time like greatest uh, time of my life as a baseball fan. I've never loved baseball the way I loved it in the in the '90s. Um, so I I agree with you there. On the other hand, my dad is a very much a baseball purist, and I get a lot of my sports opinions from him. And uh, so I don't know. I'm a little bit brainwashed, I think, and you know, in terms of the oh, they got to get rid of the DH stuff uh, that he always talks about. Um, I hope I hope you're not listening, Dad. That is not even what my dad sounds like at all. But <laughs> but you know, I, I get a little bit of uh, of that kind of stuff too, of the traditional side uh, as well, just because of uh, of my dad, who is the reason that I'm a sports writer. He's the reason I love sports. But. Um, so sorry, Dad, but uh, but yeah, Mark McGuire was in attendance yesterday. So there's a connection. There's a, there's a, a a slight tenuous connection. 
We got to figure out how to get in touch with Mark McGuire so we can have him on a, a subscriber only show and have a conversation about what he's up to. Um, what's it like on the trail with his son? It must be a really awesome time in his life right now. Yeah, that would be that would be great. And I could thank him for the greatest summer for literally the greatest summer of my life. There's no no question about it. I was 11 years old and I watched every one of those games. Okay, so I'm I'm looking at the AP Top 25 right now. And this is from last week. Um, because as we're recording this, the, the new poll has not been released. All the teams at the top of the country won, although there was a very, very, very close game in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Clemson survives against Mac Brown and 2-2 two and two UNC. North Carolina, a two-point conversion opportunity at the end of the game with just more than a minute left for the win. They don't get it done, and Clemson is 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 back on I-85, back into South Carolina, and they are licking their wounds, and they're saying, wow, we just really, really got away with one. Does Oklahoma jump Clemson in the poll this weekend? Um, maybe. I, I think they maybe would. I, I think that you could certainly make that case. I Should mean, they, Jason? That, that's probably a better question for you. Should um, they in your mind? Probably, yes, I, I would say so, especially because that Texas A&M win doesn't look nearly as impressive now after, uh, after what we saw from the Aggies yesterday against Arkansas. They won, but man, they almost lost to a really bad Arkansas team. And so, um, so yeah, I would say so. I mean, I, I think it's going to be kind of interesting to see where everything shakes up because after what Auburn did to Mississippi State, I mean, you could, you could certainly make the case that Auburn should be ranked number one right now. Um, based on their resume so far. So, I mean, there's a lot uh, of, of interesting things that could happen in the AP poll. It's too bad that, uh, we're, we're, you know, people are going to hear this after it's already out. But I, I think it's well, going to be We're giving opinions. Who cares what it looks like? Yeah. Let's, this yeah. is our poll. You know what I mean? I, it's, yeah, it's not about point. what all those writers say. I mean, in my mind, the reason why I ask the question is because OU easily jumps Clemson. It's not a question in my mind. You can't go to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, play a close football game, and be the number one team in the country. When you've got Bama, Georgia, Oklahoma, LSU, Ohio State, Auburn all waiting in the wings. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would agree with that. That was fun yesterday, though. That that all happened a little bit after the OU game ended. So we were all, all of the OU writers, we were all like gathered around a TV in the press box in Norman. Like, come on, go for two. Like, that would have been awesome to, to see them pull that off. And I thought it was kind of a bad play call there. I think if they'd have run something, if, they, if they'd have thrown the ball, I think they may have done it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think... Uh, Lincoln Riley should have been on the sidelines. If he was on the sidelines, I think that two-point play call would have been a little different. I mean, I don't know if you saw if everybody saw it, but it was it was an option rollout to the right. True freshman quarterback Sam Howell. He doesn't have any options. You run an option play without any options. It seemed like a straight quarterback run. There was there was no RPO action. There was nobody in the end zone for him to flip the ball to. There was there was somebody there maybe for a pitch, but. Clemson, of course, with the game on the line and the, the elite defense that they have, they blew that play up quickly. Right, and that's that's my problem with it is with Clemson's defensive line and linebackers, why, why would you try something like that in that moment? Beats me. I, I can't put my finger on it. But what I, what I can put my finger on is that Mac Brown is one heck of a football coach. And regardless of what happens the rest of his career at North, North Carolina, the fact that he got back in the game, after being an ESPN analyst, he comes to Charlotte, North Carolina. He beats his border rival, South Carolina, in Bank of America Stadium. And then uh, three, four weeks later, Clemson comes to his house, and he takes him down to the wire. 
This is in his first year back. I mean, Jason, that's that's legit, man. There's so many coaches in college football that wouldn't have a chance in either of those football games with the roster that he inherited. No, absolutely. Mac Brown is a very good coach. I mean, he's a national championship coach. I think sometimes people forget that. I mean, this is a guy who built, who made Texas uh, after a little bit of a rough period into what it became in the early 2000s. Um, helped make that rivalry with Bob Stoops what it was. Um, yeah, sometimes he didn't. His teams did not show up in spectacular fashion in those games. But yeah, absolutely. Mac Brown is a phenomenal coach. What is his relationship, or, or what is the Oklahoma fan relationship with Mac Brown? Well, Mac Brown was Oklahoma's offensive coordinator in 1984, one season for Barry Switzer. So he's been on both sides of the of the rivalry. Um, I, you know, I come on, you you but, can't both sides of the rivalry because he was a coordinator for one season after I'm, he coached I'm, I'm, Texas for like how long did he coach Texas for? I mean, come on, you can't I, well, Oklahoma can't claim Mac Brown. No, they they I don't and I don't think they do claim Mac Brown. I, I'm just saying that he he literally has been on both sides of the rivalry. Now, OU <laughs> fans, obviously, he literally Fair. has played on both sidelines in that game. But, uh, but obviously, he's much more affiliated with Texas, and it's not even close. Um, but, you know, I, I think that OU fans uh, got a lot of joy out of beating Mac Brown the way that they did. because, And a lot of it was because of the way he reacted. I mean, there were games where, you know, he would interject. After OU beat Texas one year, he would interject and answer a question for Chris Sims. Um, there was one time when that happened. There was... Um, you know, there were, there were just little goofy things he would say after games. I think it made it kind of joyful for OU fans when OU would beat them. And OU, there were years when they'd beat them by 40 or 50 points. I mean, that happened several times throughout Mac Brown's tenure. So, uh, but, you know, I think now that he's not at Texas anymore, um, he's somewhere else, I, I think they can appreciate him more. And I think, they, I think perhaps they can even appreciate what he did for the OU-Texas rivalry because even though he got blasted by OU a bunch of times, he also beat OU several times, even sometimes when he wasn't supposed to. It's always nice to be friendly with your rivals. I, I like nasty college football rivalries, but to me at the end of the day, it's all about respect, and I feel like that's the vibe I'm getting for you from you, Oklahoma fans, and the Oklahoma program respects Mac Brown. I think so, and uh, you know, I think Bob Stoops and Mac Brown really respected each other a lot too. I, I think that they definitely did, um, and, and I think you could see that a lot of times. Uh, speaking of Stoops, and we won't get into this. You just mentioned it, so it, and that's the way my brain works. Is a pretty bad loss for Mark Stoops in, in Kentucky on the road last night at South Carolina, but an equally good win for Will Muschamp, um, who another person who was affiliated with that OU Texas rivalry. Uh, Will Muschamp saving his his ass uh, because uh, the the flames are burning pretty hot down in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, after that one and three start, it's nice for Will Muschamp to get a W. Uh, as we're going out the door here, Jason, I just wanted to mention that it was a 900th win in school history for Oklahoma yesterday. You know, you think about 150 years of college football. That's what we're celebrating this year. It's it's quite an accomplishment, and it really speaks volumes to the history of this program. You know, not that this program is good now and was was put on the map by Bob Stoops, by Lincoln Riley. You, you look back and you think about Switzer and you think about the history. You know, Oklahoma is a college football blue blood, and, you know, this program is not slowing down anytime soon. No, it's not. 900 wins. That's a lot of swirls that people have drank in celebration, huh? <laughs> 
I, I've it's this, the Oklahoma swirl. Okay, now we're now we're talking. How many swirls did you have last night? That's the question. I didn't have any. I didn't go to the Mont last night because the Mont is crazy uh, after games, and I knew that I'd be waiting forever to get in. So, uh, but yeah, I, I I wanted to slip that in because uh, that was a fun. That's the most fun I've ever had writing a story. Um, I I just had a blast. That brought back a ton of memories from college for me. And uh, it's the first time I've had one in a long time uh, when I was reporting that story. And uh, it was actually, uh, according to the metrics that get sent out to us, that was the number one story on The Athletic on Wednesday last week, which kind of shocked me. Um, so pretty cool. What, what is the swirl? It's a cocktail, right? It's a cocktail. It, uh, is, it's a mix of frozen margarita and frozen sangria. Uh, they they, uh, they pull it out of this machine. Go re- I wrote all about it last week. Hope, hope people go read uh, the story. Um, but yeah, and uh, the sangria is a secret recipe. The only thing that they told me about it, though, is that it does have Everclear in it. So it'll get oh you. It'll, it'll take you places. My goodness, you're not screwing around with Everclear. My goodness, have a couple of swirls, and all of a sudden you're stumbling down the street in Norman, Oklahoma. But um, I love the way you put it. It'll take you where you want to go or take you where you need to go. That's unbelievable, man. Are you sure it's it's safe to be putting Everclear in those mixed drinks? Man, that, that's something else. <laughs> I don't think they put a ton of it in there. I think it's a, a small amount. He did reiterate that it's a small amount, but – it doesn't take much ever clear. No, it, it it doesn't at all. It's it's exactly right. So um, for everybody who was partying in Norman last night after the W drinking swirls, hope you're feeling okay. Um, as we just start the work week and, and you get back into the swing of things and uh, you wait the long two weeks, you've got a little road bump against Kansas. You're going to deal with, um, but you're going to win that football game. And then it's the showdown um, at the cotton bowl. Can't wait for that. We're going to be talking uh, about that on the show over the next couple of weeks. Jason, what's on the agenda for you this week as far as uh, storylines heading into to this Kansas matchup? Well, I think that, you know, obviously last season, Kansas, uh, oh, you beat Kansas by, by two touchdowns, but it was an embarrassing uh, performance for that defense. They gave up 40 points to Kansas. Um, just a, 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 as, as humiliating as a win can be, that was uh, completely humiliating. So that's something to sort of think back on and talk about. And then uh, OU's playing against Les Miles again. This is the first time in, I believe, 14 years that Oklahoma has faced a Les Miles coach team. And there's a lot of history there that, that I'm looking forward to sort of diving into. And with the, the new head coach, Les Miles, maybe someone to, to, to write about, somebody to, to, to think back on his career uh, in, in that same category as Mac Brown. Uh, takes some time off. He comes back. Uh, Mac Brown hosts – Clemson takes it down to the wire. Who knows? Maybe Les Miles can pull the same thing off in Lawrence and, and cook up a game plan and shock the world on Saturday against Oklahoma. But seriously, I doubt it. Not after what they did. You see what they did yesterday against TCU. I, <laughs> I, it's, it's, I, joke, I joked with somebody yesterday that it's like Kansas is only allowed a certain number of points in a season, and they scored all of them <laughs> against Boston College. Come on, Les. I, someone didn't uh, forgot to prep Les before the year and said, hey, man, this is the amount of points that were allotted. And uh, he found out the hard way after um, after that game against Boston College. He got a memo that said, hey, man, you only got about 30 points left this year. Um, you might as well save them for the Oklahoma game. <laughs> right. Exactly. 
Uh, it's the outside world. Remember, subscribe to The Athletic. You'll get all Jason's great writing. You'll also get the bonus episode, the subscriber-only episode of The Outside World that drops on Thursdays. Just go to theathletic.com slash theoutsideworld. That's theathletic.com slash theoutsideworld. Uh, Jason, uh, great to talk to you. Have a good week. And um, I look forward to talking to you next week about the Kansas uh, result and, of course, a quick turnaround to Texas. All right. Thanks, John.